0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We don't know. But one thing we do know for certain is God's still on the throne and his word never fails. Amen. And so tonight we are going to get into the word of the Lord. Uh, So as you are seated, I'm going to direct your attention, we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter number 1, and we're going to do a a, a Bible study tonight that I intended to teach oh, about maybe, I don't know now, five weeks ago, something like that, as as things went, and that's the way it goes. Uh, So I have a little handout tonight. If you're not comfortable receiving a handout, that's okay. By the way, just so everybody knows, we have new hand sanitizer stations, and I see our good uh, ushers using the hand sanitizer here. Go ahead, brother, and just show them how that works right there. And uh, we've had them all around the building, but they weren't getting used as much. If you would like, if you don't want a handout, just let us. That's fine. We won't give it. But if you'd like a handout, they'll hand these out to you. Um but uh, we had hand sanitizer stations and they weren't being used as much as we wanted them to be. Sister Erlene was wanting to change those things out more. So we went and we added more hand sanitizer stations. All right, so now if you notice right here at the altar, right, as you're coming up and down from the platform, around, so uh, we're we're just all about this cleanness, amen. Praise the Lord. And so thank you for helping us out with that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk tonight about the work of holiness. He is a holy God. Praise the Lord. Holiness. Amen. For those of you that were sitting online wondering what that noise was, we have it under control. So we're talking about holiness, the work of holiness. God is a holy God, and we praise God that He is a God that saves us from ourselves, saves us from our sins, and the testimony that we have is that he transforms us, that he does not leave us the same. If God was only concerned with letting us know that he loved us and he did not change us, what kind of relationship would that be? Amen. But we praise God for the fact that he changes us. How many are thankful that God's washed your sins away? How many are thankful that God has renewed you? He's given you new life. He's given you new hope. Depression is no longer the rule in my life. I have joy unspeakable, as Peter said. Amen, I don't have to worry, I have peace that passes understanding. Those are things that take place in the Spirit. God does those things in our heart. We praise God for that. So tonight we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about the work of holiness in our life. Now, for those of you that have uh, been around a little while, you know me. And I have 23 pages of notes tonight. Um, <laughs> We are not even going to try to get through these 23 pages of notes in one night. So I reduced it down to three pages of notes. <laughs> Amen. You're still laughing. You're still laughing. Some of you don't have faith. Amen. But I'm going to, by the help of the Lord, get through this. So that means we're going to cover a lot of territory. And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. And uh, th- the Lord's going to help us, in Jesus' name, be able to get through this. Let's go to first. Peter chapter number one, verses 13, let's do verses 13 through 16. And uh, tonight I brought to the pulpit our uh, personal size, personal Concord Cambridge Bible. How many have been enjoying the, the reading the Bible video series we've been doing online only? If you haven't caught those, you can find those on YouTube or you can find those on Facebook as well. And at the end of each little five, 10-minute video on reading the Bible, where to start, other tips like that, we've been giving away a Bible. And uh, so this is an excellent little Bible. We've given two of these away, and uh, these are awesome little keepsakes. So check those out. First Peter chapter number 1, verses 13 through 16, and it reads this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, And hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written Be ye holy, for I am holy. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 We're going to break down tonight the work of holiness, and we're going to look at the work of inward and outward holiness, and we're going to summarize it into four areas. You have a little handout that's going to give you a little cheat of where we're going tonight. On the back of that handout is some notes. If you didn't bring a notebook... This will be online as well. You can go back and you can catch this later on. But four areas. Now, um, if you're like me, you like food. And uh, sometimes the best part of something is going to be the innermost part of that dish. So when you start around the edges, it's all right. But man, it's really when you get to the heart of that. Anybody uh, ever had a, a good pan of brownies? And and they're giving you options on which one you want to take. I don't take the one on the edge. I'm wanting that gooeyest center part. Can I get an amen tonight? In In the middle of the pan, that's where it all comes together. That's just where it's the best. So we're going to look at holiness tonight. And we're going to start from what we would say, let's say the outermost part and work our way inward. So we're looking in four things, and these are the four things. We're looking at holiness in conversation. This is the outermost layer. The next layer would be holiness in action. The next inner layer would be holiness in desire. And then finally, that innermost part of the work of holiness is going to be holiness in Thought Holiness in thought. How do I know that God's changed me? It's when my thinking's different. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? You can put a mask on a lot of things. You can hide behind a lot of things. But when you inside, when your thoughts inside have changed, you know, wow, I'm not the same that I was before. So we're going to start at the surface, and we're going to work our way into the depth of eternal Holiness, Just as our health is manifest both inside and out, so is our spiritual well-being. Holiness, the work of holiness, the evidence of holiness in our life. What is holiness? That holiness is being like God. Amen. This is what Peter said. As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Holy. So holiness takes place on both inside and out. To claim holiness just on the inside and not on the outside is to rob God of glory and to rob God of a testimony. It is not done for your righteousness, but it is done as a testimony of the work of holiness in your life. I thank God that he changes me. And when he changed me on the inside, it affects the outside. Amen. I want people to be able to see the change. They ought to be able to see the change on my face. They ought to be able to see the change in my attitude, my body language. But I, I think I will not even go a step farther. I want people to feel the change. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's much easier to clean up the outside and avoid, avoid dealing with the inside. Amen. It's even easier to mask the outside. So let's not fall prey to this, pretending like we're something that we're not. Let's not fool ourselves and fall prey to the uh, human mechanisms of legalisms and measurements that says, well, if I can just fool my brother and sister and if I can just act the part inside, I'm not really changed. No, you've got to be holy both inward and outward. It's not one or the other. Amen. So we looked at First Peter, and he's talking about it as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So he's he's acknowledging that your past lifestyle is different, or or at least it should be different from what you're living now. Because in the past, you fashioned yourself according to the former lust. And he puts that little caveat. He says, "You did it in ignorance. This is just—you were just living, amen, by your own means." Can I tell you? Don't condemn. Uh, uh, don't don't come and condemn the sinner that doesn't know any better. Sometimes we are shocked that sinners act like sinners. Newsflash: You acted like a sinner when you were a sinner. That's not the problem. The problem is when you're supposed to be a saint and you're acting like a sinner. So, so we, we change. We, we were fashioning ourselves according to the former lust in our ignorance, but now we know. Now we know the power of God. Now we know the power of His joy, His peace, His deliverance, His salvation. And so now it's different. It, knowing that knowledge, if I'm not working, at God's uh, uh, change in my life, if I'm not allowing that to work inside of me, well, then we've, we've got a problem. Let's look at this. What did he say? He said, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. All manner of conversation. That's an old English term in the King James Version. The conversation literally means behavior or manner of person or your character, who you are, As an individual, he's not just talking about your phone conversation or your verbal conversation. He's talking about all manner, both internally and externally. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's look at these four things if we can. Um, Holiness is not just something that we become, but it is something that we do. Let me say that again. Holiness is not just something we become, meaning it is not just something that happens to us. The Bible does say that his righteousness is imputed on us. We praise God. I could never be right uh, on my own merit. I could never be holy on my own merit. Thank God that he clothes us in his righteousness. But holiness is not just something we become where I check my brain at it and say, well, it just is what I is. I am what I am. No, that's not That's not what it's saying. Uh, we are not saved by the work of holiness or the work of trying to be holy. But, but our work, our effort is a testimony of the change or the transformation within us. So there has to be an effort. And that's why, look at what Peter says. As he which hath called you is holy, so be Notice that, underline that, circle that. If you have that in your Bible, that is a verb. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. What is, that, what is that telling me? That tells me I have a choice. I can choose to be holy. Here's the beautiful thing about salvation. Before Christ, you didn't have a choice. You were just a sinner. You were messed up. What does the Holy Ghost do? It brings power. What does that power do? It gives you the ability to choose, amen, to say I'm not going to be a slave of sin. I'm not going to be a servant. of No, I don't have to do that anymore. Before, I was subject to that. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, now I can say no to sin. I can say no to unholy things. And we praise God for that. Amen, amen. So praise God, thank God for baptism in Jesus' name. Where you you make that, uh, uh, where you make that decision for the Lord, and you enter into covenant with God. But you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's that supernatural spirit that gives you that ability. Amen, to overcome sin. So holiness is something that God does to us. Amen. He washes all of our sins away. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, man, it's a change in our life. So that's supernatural, something we cannot do. But then now living a life continually in the fellowship with the Lord, he says, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So now he's letting us know that we have the ability to turn it off. We have the ability to shut down the Spirit of God. We have the ability to push God at, back out of our life and say, no, God, I don't want to do that anymore. And so that's what Peter is admonishing us to do. So holiness is not just something that happens to us or something that we become, but it is also something that we do. So let's look at the four things of holiness. Number one, the first thing is holy, holiness in conversation. And that conversation is our behavior, or it is our manner, if you will. Now, I'm going to cover, I could speak on this, two parts under conversation. I don't know if this is in your notes, but two parts on conversation. The first is verbal communications, and the second is nonverbal communications. Is that on there? Okay, so verbal communications and nonverbal communications. So this is what we are. He's talking about your conversation, your manner. Why is that important? Because uh, uh, how you interact with other people, how who you are and how you communicate. So those conversations, verbal communications and nonverbal communications. So I'm gonna run through this. Let's first go to the book of James chapter number three. Verbal communications are what? The words that we speak. Now... Uh, In today's technologically advanced world, words are not just words that we speak, but there's the technology of writing, there's the technology of transmission of words, so this does not just include the words that come out of your mouth, this includes the words that come out of your thumbs, okay? So your hands speak a lot, you know, your words, wherever those words are going, text, social media, wherever else. So James says this in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. And then he says, If any man offend not in word, get this, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now James is going to go on in chapter 3 and talk about the tongue, the power of the tongue. I'd encourage you to go back, do a devotion, read that, study that, pray that. Um, But James begins the whole passage on the tongue or language speaking with the mark of perfection. And he says a perfect person is someone who does not offend at all. I would dare say tonight that there is no one in here that has not offended somebody with your words at someone in your life. In fact, I could maybe say there's no one in here that hasn't offended somebody with your words in 2020. I might even be able to say there's nobody that's offended anybody with your words in here maybe in the last month. I'll stop right there. (laughs) And we say that to illustrate, wow, how true it is. But I believe that the Holy Ghost is powerful enough if we will be in surrender and right relationship with God, that God can anoint our language. We do not have to offend people. I do not say that to say that there's no hope for us. I say that to illustrate how often our flesh rises up to offend other people. But when I know, amen, that I'm full of the Holy Ghost... It's not when I lay my hands on the sick and they recover. It's not when I speak in other tongues, amen, but it's when my language is no longer seeking to offend people out of my pride and my selfishness and all of that other stuff. So the measure, one measure for holiness in your life in the outward layer is do I offend people? That's one thing right there. So we have to speak right. Oh, I wish I could go. Let me just throw out some scriptures for you to chase down on your own. Speaking right, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 12. Speaking pure, go to Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. Sowing discord. You could look at Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. Cursing. You can look at Romans chapter 12 and 14. And vanity. You could look at James chapter 1. And verse 26, I wish I had more time to deal with that, but that's a beautiful uh, thing for us to study and pray for and hope that God would help us with. So that's the outermost layer. When the Holy Ghost is at work in your life, amen, that's one of those things that ought to change. The second thing we go to is not only verbal communication, but now nonverbal communication. And within the point of nonverbal communication, we have two points. And the first is holiness in attitude. And the second is holiness in representation. We're talking about the outer layers working our way in, where holiness begins on the outside and works in. In the outside, you're going to hear our, our, our words that we speak, the conversation. Those are spoken intentionally. But so much of communication takes place beyond words and beyond language. We can walk into a room, and we can never speak to somebody, but we can communicate with them. We can uh, 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 have interactions with people that do not know us and with people that know us, amen, never having to open our mouth. Holiness in attitude. Let's go to Psalm chapter 51 and verse 10. And uh, they're going to put it up on the screen. If you could help me... Thank you. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love to pray Psalm 51. I'll go to Psalm 51. I'll open it up, and I will use it, and I will pray the verse, and then pray it and elaborate a little bit. I don't know how many times I've done this in my life often. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me my words can be saying the right thing but my spirit can be wrong and communicating the wrong thing somebody say amen amen Amen. it's not always what you say sometimes it's how you say it and it's the attitude the spirit that you have it's the body language there that's communicating that? Let that not be one of pride. Let that not be one that's self-exalting. Let that not be one that's offending another. Do we offend others in our conversation Nonverbal. Do we offend them in our body language? Do we offend them in our attitude? What is the disposition that that we are transmitting, that we are communicating, that we are broadcasting as as born-again children, as saved people, as people that are believers. What are people thinking about? Amen. When I walk into a room, are they seeing somebody that's a testimony of of the grace and the glory of God? Are they seeing somebody that's a light? Or are they seeing somebody that's all about themselves, that's building their own kingdom, that's trying to draw attention? Are they seeing somebody that's mean and hateful? What is our attitude? What is our communication in that regard? We could go on, but we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. Holiness in representation. Now... Here's our nonverbal communication. Now it's not only our attitude, it's not only uh, our body language, and body language communicates so much, but now it's our representation, our, our physical appearance. What are we communicating by our physical appearance? We are advertising something. We are representing something. You cannot tell me it doesn't matter, and we don't think it matters. I, I've seen people stand for hours in front of the mirror. All of us have stood for hours in front of the mirror at some point in our life. Some of us maybe could. St- st- I, no, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> Spend a little more time in front of the mirror. No, I'm joking. I'm teasing. But we're concerned. We, we think about, we're, we're worried about how we look. We're concerned about that. Why? Because naturally it communicates something. Today we were making a video and, Brother, I got a pick on you, Brother Charles. All right? We were making a video. Brother Charles, b- been working ER, nurse, and we were making a video we'll be releasing here soon, just updating everybody on where we're at with COVID in regard to our responses and what we're doing. And as we were getting ready to record, Sister Caitlin's getting ready to hit the record button, and he, he ran over there in the mirror, and he, he just, he fixed his hair real quick. And uh, I, I couldn't tell the difference. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know, that's, that, I'm not saying, he's got more hair than me, so I, that's not a dick. I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're concerned with what we look because it says something. We think it says something. So what's our holiness in representation? Is the Bible silent on this? Does the Bible speak about it? Absolutely, it speaks about it. Underneath holiness and representation. I'm gonna give you two things. Two things. God speaks to us about holiness in representation or our appearance, A, as commanded by God, and B, or or, or sorry, A, as created by God. If you already wrote that, you're gonna, you're gonna have a blot on your notebook there. A, as created by God, B, is as commanded by God. So in our appearance, there's two things. God created us in a certain way, and then God commands to us to appear a certain way. He talks about this. Old Testament, New Testament, we could spend a lot of time. We won't, but let's begin. As created by God, let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 27. And in Genesis 2, 27, you don't have those? All right, can you get that for me? I'm going to throw out a whole bunch of verses. I don't have them in my notes, so we'll just, we'll go real quick through this. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 27, and here we go. As created, well, there's not a 27. That's why. <laughs> I almost got you, and instead I got myself. I don't know who wrote these notes. First of all, whoever. Okay, so uh, uh, in Genesis chapter two. It, okay, let's let's try this. Let's try. Is it? Let's try. One twenty-seven. Here we go. Genesis one twenty-seven. All right, and it says this, so God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. This is a funda- fundamental foundational doctrine within scripture that predates any covenant. This predates sin and the fall of man. That's what, that's what Moses is doing. That's what God's doing when he's telling us the story here. in Genesis 1, before man even failed, uh, 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 got or fell or failed. God gave us an identity. He made them male and female. You are not God. I am not God. I did not choose when I was born. I will not most likely have any control over when I pass from this earth, and I did not choose how God made me. I didn't choose the DNA. I didn't choose how many hairs I have and how many hairs I'd lose by age 40. I didn't choose the color of my eyes. Those are things God made us, and we have to reconcile ourselves with that fact. Or we can rebel against God, which is what many do, and say, no, that's not what I want to be. That's not what I am. And so now we live in a world that... That is in utter rebellion. It's nothing new. Humans have been doing this for millennia where they reject this nature. They reject what God has made them as. But God made us as a certain way. We need to get to the place where David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. You know why there's so low self-esteem? Because we get our esteem, amen, from others' definition of us instead of God's definition of us. If we could step back and say like David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You begin to appreciate God's handiwork with all of our flaws and our faults. Amen. The glory of God still manifests through us. Can I tell you, you were made in the image of God. And we ought to celebrate that. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Amen. So we do celebrate that. That's why That's why there is no racism in the church. No room for that. Why? Because God created us in his image. As he made us we are beautiful. We thank God for that. So don't despise. There's there's no advantage or disadvantage in how God made you. Jew, Gentile, bond free, uh, 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 male, female. Amen. We are created in the image of God. That's what Paul would talk about. This is where that came from. And so that's so important. So God created us in that way he created us what male and female so if you're male don't seek to be female if you're female don't seek to be male you're made in the image of God to reject that amen is to rebel against the sovereignty of God in our life the second thing is holiness in representation as commanded by God Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number five Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number 5. They have that one. That one's actually in the Bible. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. This is just one verse, but uh, as commanded by God under this section, there are two parts, two principles concerning our clothing that the Bible talks about. And uh, I don't have time to go into the, the, the extension of this, but these are the two principles. The first principle is the principle of modesty, and modesty was instituted by God immediately after sin entered into the world. The second principle is the principle of distinction, and the principle of distinction, as we already referred to, was instituted by God even before sin entered into the world. So in our appearance, it's as created by God and it's as commanded by God. Commanded by God is distinction. Uh, Our appearance ought to be distinct. God wants men to look like men and women to look like women. He doesn't want us to blur that, to hide that, because it's representative of the glory that God has for us. And so that distinction was instituted before the fall of man, before sin comes. The Bible tells us of the story of Adam and Eve when sin comes in. The Bible says that they were naked and now they were ashamed. They knew that and there was shame. The Bible uses that word shame comes upon them once sin comes. Before sin, they were clothed in innocence. They were naked and not ashamed. And so afterwards, immediately when sin comes, something happens. There's a whole lot of things that happen. But Adam now is aware of his shame and what he does is he seeks to cover himself. And he covers himself with fig leaves. There's a Hebrew word there that's translated apron. But it was literally just covering those private parts of humanity. God shows up and Adam and Eve were hiding. And what does God do? God in that scene, you can go back and look at it and study it, says, no, your covering is inadequate. inadequate. That's not appropriate. And so God then, the Bible says, has a sacrifice and he clothed them and he covered them. And if you go back to the old Hebrew word that's translated there, you'll understand that when God clothed them with a coat, that was represented. Every Hebrew scholar would acknowledge that that coat was a covering that covered their, their whole torso, that covered their, their body. It covered not only the central regions, but their thighs as well. And so their nakedness was covered. And God says, this is how you are to dress. So when God sends them out before uh, uh, humanity goes on, he's already given them a distinction from that. That's unpacked in the Old Testament and in the New Testament multiple times. And I know sometimes people uh, uh, argue over technicalities, but you will never get outside of these principles being in Scripture. The principle of distinction and the principle of modesty. It's no accident that our culture today is is undressing, undressing. And we're undressing as a culture back to not only the standards of Adam and Eve while they were hiding, but sometimes, in some cases, worse than the standards of Adam and Eve when they were hiding. Amen. And God tells us, even before there's a covenant, before there's a law, So for all those people that say, well, that's in the law, that's in the Old Testament, we're not under the Old Covenant, well, neither were Adam and Eve under the Old Covenant. They were just trying to run for their lives. And God says, here's how you're going to survive, cover it up. Everywhere else throughout Scripture, when nakedness shows up, nakedness was always, uh, let's say, idolatry in the Old Testament, pagan idolatry was always uh, associated with nakedness. So when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, and this isn't in my notes, so I'm adding time here to the clock. Help us. I don't know if we'll get through page three. But when they came out of Egypt, Moses goes up. We don't know where he's at. He's been gone 40 days. He's been gone all this time. Maybe, maybe God took him. So let's build an idol. And let's go worship a god. Is the most foolish thing they could have ever decided. And their worship, what was their worship at that golden calf? What did it look like? What did it include? It included immorality And it included nakedness. It included idolatry. So people could say today, well, we don't have idols in America. I would challenge that and say we probably have more idols than ever, self being number one. And so what are we talking about? You say, well, preacher, I I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. Well, this isn't about what we like or what we want. This is about being holy. And I'm going to tell you, I love, I love the joy and the peace that God's given me too much. I love the deliverance and the salvation. I'll take whatever he tells me. Whatever he's advising me is going to be the best thing for my life. So be ye holy, Peter says, in all manner of conversation. Let's go to the second thing. Oh, this is good. The next layer we're talking about. We talked about conversation, but now we're talking about holiness in action. The next layer, holiness in action. I'm going to give you six points. Do you have those six points on the outline there? Okay, great. This is, going to help. this is going to help your handwriting. Six points here. Let's go first. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 12. Are we good, Brother Brandon, back there? All right. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 12. Uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm waiting for you. Amen. We're talking about honesty and integrity. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that may be your by- they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So he says that holiness ought to be in your action. If somebody knows you're a Christian, knows you're a believer, they, know, they see that by your, your language that you speak, they see that by your appearance, your attire, whatever you're trying to uh, uh, associate with, and then they find out that there's a discrepancy between that and honesty, amen. It's going to mar it. But when they see your honest. Amen. When they see the integrity inside of your life, I'm gonna tell you, in your neighborhood, you should be the most trustworthy person in your neighborhood. If there's ever a problem, if there's ever a need, you should be the most honest person at your workplace. People ought to know. Amen. That's that's in your actions. Honesty, integrity. Number two, let's go to Second Peter, uh, let's go to Second Timothy chapter two and verse eight. The next two things. Anger and apathy. These, Paul, interestingly, let me pick on the men. Paul targets men. Paul targets men with this. And holiness and action. Now, Paul, he has highlighted some of the previous things that we've already talked about. Communication and nonverbal communication. He talked about it among women. But now he's targeting men. And he's letting us know that men are going to have an issue with this. Not that women don't also maybe deal with this as well. But men are going to have a proclivity to these temptations. And in 1 Timothy Chapter number two, let's see that. Verse number eight, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now sometimes when they use the word men in the King James Version in the New Testament, they're talking about humanity in general. They're talking about mankind. They're not talking about male specific. But in this verse Paul is talking male specific. And he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Look at what he says, without wrath, without doubting. If we were going to translate that, we would say without anger and we would say without apathy. Men have anger issues. Men have to wrestle that anger. Men have to learn how, as the proverb says, be angry and sin not. Men have to learn how to deal with that anger. Do not let your anger destroy your witness and your testimony. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that's not just um, outwardly, but that also begins in your own home. Let me as pastor admonish our fathers, admonish our husbands, Your family is going to know, amen, your holiness and the work of your holiness, not just by your communication, not just by your attire, but also, amen, by how well you can control your spirit and control your anger. I don't know how many people I've talked to that have said, well, yeah, dad took us to church, but then dad would cuss us out. Dad would beat us. Dad would do whatever. And it destroyed the faith witness in their life. Thank God. For apostolic fathers, apostolic men, amen, that will control their anger, amen. Men that have power to do things, but they exercise restraint because the Holy Ghost is at work within them, amen. Hallelujah. Men need to control our anger. In, in, in the world today, in culture today, men don't always have a handle on this. And this is one of the first things that happens. What happens? Flies off. The handle, can't control himself. The second thing he says was not only without wrath, but he says without doubting. Now, that's a, that's an old translation that sometimes we don't speak in these terms anymore. Uh, uh, it wasn't mistranslated. We just don't talk in that vernacular anymore. But it's talking about apathy, having apathy, having, I'm apathetic, without with lift up holy hands without wrath and doubt don't be indifferent for this well yeah if we well we can go to church we cannot go to church he's saying no you cannot have apathy when it comes to the kingdom of God Apathy amen will destroy it will rot amen the testimony that God, has for you. That's why we need men, amen, that have a desire that's manifest. What is he saying? Lifting up holy hands, not afraid, not ashamed, not concerned about what others think, but showing, amen, my passion, my attitude, my heart. Husbands, fathers, amen, men, that's why it's important for you, amen, to be the leader. Stand up in the home and say, hey, I'm praying for you, and I'm living for God, and my life is in subjection to the Lord, and I'm submitted to the Word of God, and that's why I'm going to go to church. What do we need a revival of in the church? We need a revival of men that aren't apathetic about the kingdom of God. Thank God for our wonderful women, amen, that are filling the prayer rooms. Thank God for women, amen, that are saying, hey, children, we're going to church. And statistically, it's always been. It seems to appear so uh, as such, even in the early church, that a lot of times it was women that were leading their families or were serving the Lord. And it was women uh, 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 that were raising their family in the Lord. And so Paul is specifically speaking to men and saying, don't be apathetic. Amen. We need a revival, amen, of men that are not apathetic about the kingdom of God but can stand up and say this is what we're going to do. We ought to thank God, put our hands together, and thank God for all the men and all the women, amen, hallelujah, that are living for God irregardless of everything else. we got to hasten on. Number four, holiness in action. Well, sexual relationship is definitely one of those things that is, uh, you cannot turn, you can't go to YouTube and watch a simple video without an ad popping up. And, and, and the issue of sexuality is uh, uh, infiltrated into all kinds of ad. It's, in, it's, it's used to sell everything, amen, from uh, chewing gum to deodorant. And uh, that's, that's the pervasiveness of our world. So let's go to First Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So Paul is tying this to sanctified holy living. that That ye, that's the plural you, should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's his body. We are the vessel of the Holy Ghost in sanctification and honor. I want you to make the connection that Paul says... How you live your life uh, has everything to do with sexual, uh, uh, with sanctification. The sexual aspects of your life has everything to do with sex uh, a sanctification and a holiness. That is why the attack of the world is so strong against this. Amen. let me read a quote from uh Uh, By the way, these 23 notes, we did a series back in 2016 called Be the Light, the Work of Holiness. It took five weeks, so I'm skipping through a lot of good stuff here, but I want to read a paragraph that I had written on this, and so here it goes. We are created by God as sexual beings, not only for the purpose of procreation, which is continuing the wonder of God's power by continually giving life. That's a miracle every time Uh, conception takes place. But also for the blessing of human relationships between male and female within the sanctuary of the covenant of marriage and for the strengthening those bonds of love for security, for emotional release, and for pleasure therein, to only be realized through love and selfless giving serving one another in mercy and grace, and hereby teaching us the love of Jesus Christ toward the church. Here it is. Proper biblical sexuality is a holy thing. And to change, redefine, pervert, alter what God has established is an unholy thing. So any... Any uh, uh, sexuality outside of the biblical definition of marriage is an unholy thing. And as the wise man wrote, uh, 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 you you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? He used that analogy with a man that would be flirting with uh, uh, an adulteress, fornication. And adultery. Can I tell you? If you do anything outside of what God has prescribed, you're playing with fire, and you will. It will burn you. It will destroy you. It won't. It will hurt you. It will mess you up. Now, thank God for grace and mercy at the cross. Thank God for healing. Thank God for renewal and restoration at the cross. But, but, um, sexuality being perverted in this world will mess you up. It will mess you up. So God's way, and Paul says, this is your sanctification. It's got to be this way. So sex was intended. By the way, this was not man's idea. God created it. So for a long time, we, we would not talk about the issue of sexuality. We would not talk about sex. And I don't believe that we talk about inappropriate things among people, uh, 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 mixed company. We, we shouldn't talk about inappropriate things anytime, but we don't talk about things to destroy people's innocence. Let me put it that way. However, there is a whole book in the Bible dedicated to sexuality. This was created by God. This was was God's idea. And it is is a, a, a human misnomer that says this is something that's taboo that we can't talk about. God wants us to do more than just talk about it. He puts it in the Bible. We have to have a healthy concept. Because we haven't dealt with it, the world's come along and it's perverted it. And I'm here to declare, parents, you need to talk about this with your children. That's a good place to say amen. You need to be the one informing your children about this. Because they're going to get informed from the world. Unfortunately, by the time they go to school now, kindergarten, they're already coming home asking questions because they're being taught stuff. So we have to be proactive and we've got to teach these kind of things Amen in the home. To change it, to redefine it, is to pervert it, is to alter it, is all unholy. So, homosexuality is not permitted. Fornication is not permitted. Adultery is not permitted. Polygamy is not permitted. These are gross things that the Bible clearly speaks against. Uh, uh, and you say, well, 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 now we're in the world now where we're doing it, it's, it's all virtual. Uh, uh, sin, and, and all of this stuff is, 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 is really virtual going on. Can I tell you today, even in our modern era, slavery has hit its highest point for the, for the use of this industry in the world now more than ever before. It does not make the news. As your pastor, this isn't in my notes either. This is extra. We're on borrowed time anyway. Stop paying attention to all the mainstream media. They're not telling you the whole story of everything. Now, I get news from them, so I'm not saying that that's bad. There are things, uh, thank God for the weather. Uh, I I get news from them, all that other stuff. But there are things that are not being told. If you notice, we've got to a place in our culture where it's the right view or it's the left view, and they're all covering the same seven stories. And there's a million other things going on that nobody's talking about. And one of these things that is huge is, is, is the slave trade around the world. You can go to Barnes & Noble and the shelves are full of books of people that are saying, why aren't we talking about this? What's going on in the world? What We're not dealing with this. Our world ha- right now, one of the number one issues is, is, is uh, pornography and all this other stuff that's being virtual. It's the biggest industry. It's one of the biggest money-making industries. By the way, sports... I, I, I don't want to, I don't to rain on anybody's parade, but sports is not all about sports. Amen. There's so much deep stuff that goes on that takes place behind all of these other things. As a Christian, we rise above that. Amen. And our life has to be unspotted from the world. Somebody say amen. amen. Stewardship of the body, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. I can see we're not going to get out of here tonight before 10 o'clock. 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm I'm teasing, folks. We're wrapping this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body, everybody say my my body. My body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, which means it's not yours. You didn't create it. And ye are not your own. You have the Holy Ghost of God. You didn't create your own body. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to him so you are required to be a steward of your own body now we get sick things happen viruses sickness we're praying for those right now there's things that we can't avoid but there's also things that we can bring upon ourselves and so the Bible talks about good stewardship in our body so there's certain things that we refrain from there's things the Bible talks about abstaining from don't mark your body don't mar your body don't don't turn your body over to to symbols of paganism don't don't uh don't alter your body. The, the uh, 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 prohibition against inebriation was that it perverted your way. It perverted your judgment. Don't, don't get drunk. Don't get high. Don't get to a place. That's why we would talk about that. People say, well, that's not in the Bible. No, it is in the Bible. The Bible talks about not altering your judgment. God gave you judgment. Don't, don't blur that. Don't distort that. Don't mess that up just so that you can achieve a, a pleasure for a moment? how What vanity is that? It's not sustainable. So you have to have stewardship of the body. And then number six, finally, abstinence of evil works. Abstinence of evil works. And everybody said amen. amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll end with this. Chapter 5, and we'll come back next week, and we'll have to finish this next part. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 22. Abstain. Abstain. From all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It didn't say abstain from all evil. That's understood. Not only do you abstain from evil, abstain from the appearance of evil. What does that mean? That means don't allow yourself to have the appearance of evil. That means in conversation, verbal, nonverbal. That means in representation. That doesn't just mean in person. That means all the time. Don't appear to be evil. Amen. Say, well, well is just a picture on social media. Well, that's still communicating something. Abstain from the appearance of evil at all times. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, here it is, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you and also uh, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God's going to sanctify you. Go back to verse 23. He said, I pray God sanctify you body. What is it? He said, your whole spirit and soul and spirit. Our body, body, soul, and spirit. Everything. God completely. He wants to make you holy in every way. So we're talking about the outside and we're working our way in. So we talked about conversation. We talked about actions. Next week we'll come back. We'll talk about desire in desire, holiness in desire, and holiness in thought. That's the innermost part. That's the innermost part. This is the easier things outside that we talked about. Now sometimes you say, Well, that's easy. Well, yeah, sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And sometimes you really have to subdue the flesh, but those are the easier things that we talked about. The harder things is 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 altering your your heart, your desire, your appetite. What's my desire? And then alter your thoughts. But that's where God wants to work inside of your life. Amen. I don't want to think the way I used to think, Sister Brooks. I, I don't want to even think the same way I did. I and and you know you're changed when you see something and and wow! Instead of responding this way now I go to the Lord in prayer or I hear something that would have devastated me but now I'm responding in faith and I'm not worried about that I know even health in my spiritual walk with God I know when it rises and falls by how I respond to things yeah. amen I may really get to preaching next Wednesday night um because you know uh what do they call it what do they call it uh, uh when you when you're driving you have a road rage thank you praise God You know the Holy Ghost has got a hold of you when when your road rage is gone. Praise God. Amen. Stand together with me tonight. Amen. Do you love the Word of God? Come on, isn't this good stuff? Well, this isn't good stuff because I didn't come up with any of this. I found all this in the Bible, folks, just so you know. I don't want you to think that I made this up on my own. I found all this stuff in the Bible. This is good stuff. And we take this injustice in our heart. And I'm going to tell you, when you live by this, there are blessings that come. There are rewards that come. Amen, from letting God work inside of your heart. I thank you for being in the house of God. I thank you for loving the word of God. We need more of the word of God in our life. And if you have fallen in a place where you say, man, that was touching me tonight. That was convicting me tonight. That happens to me all the time. I wanna say you're in a good place. That's where you just open up your heart and say, Lord, help me. Help me, change me. God, let me, and if I fall and I stumble, then I come back and say, God, help me do better. God, lead me, show me. And I'm gonna tell you, his grace is sufficient and his love is everlasting, amen. Can we lift our hearts toward heaven today? God, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for the blessing of the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God that we feel. I thank you for every testimony of change and transformation. I thank you, God, for every person that is not what they used to be. God, but we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. God, you have lifted us up. God, you have blessed our life, Lord, in so many ways. And I pray that our desire, our heart... God, would be to follow after your word. God, let us be holy as you are holy. Not not going after the former things, uh, God, the former lust of our flesh, but God, following after the works and the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name tonight. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands until the Lord will